Roar Nation, Promise Keepers is back July 31st, 2020. Estimated 80,000 men will be gathering at the AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Speakers are going to rock the house. It's going to be a full lineup. And on top of that, worship is going to be amazing. Why am I telling you so far in advance? Because tickets are on sale and they're slowly selling out. So that being said, I hope I see you there. I am planning on going. Go to promisekeepers.org to get info and tickets. Again, go to promisekeepers.org. See you there. Welcome to Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You, the podcast that focuses on Christians that are active in everyday life. Join in as we speak to everyone from successful business owners to educators to athletes about their faith and how it helps them reach out and revolutionize those around them to do the same. And now get ready to roar with your host, the voice of manifestation, John Fuller. Hey, Roar Nation, John Fuller here with Are You Real? And I am excited today for uh, today's special guest, Lathan Kraft. So this is a man of many talents. We've been behind the scenes talking about some stuff, but I say that because he is a devoted father, pastor, writer, speaker, and podcaster, which I'm excited about that for him as well, because we love podcasting around here. Um, and I, this is my favorite part about Lathan is he calls himself a hope dealer. And uh, I think in the world that we live in today, there is nothing more uh, that's valued. I feel like that people need hope, especially in the times and the days we live in when um, depression and all the things are just rampant. So anyways, I'm not going to get into any more details. I'm going to let Lathan knock your socks off. Lathan, you ready to do this, my friend? Let's do it. Come on. Let's ready to roar. So, Lathan, why don't you give us a 50,000-foot view, just overview of kind of who you are and what you do. Yeah, so I'm, I'm Lathan right now. I live in Northern California, uh, but my life b- before Christ and really my life growing up was uh, hopeless, which is why my passion is to, to be a hope dealer, as you'd mentioned. Uh, I grew up with a mom who uh, stripped for a living, um, and my stepdad was abusive uh, to the point of one night, my stepdad took me to the pond behind our house and had an anchor on my ankle and told me he was going to kill me. And my, 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 his wife, my mom, went to the gate and said, you got to kill me for kill my son. Um, and that was the first time I knew that something was worth dying for me. Something, something was going to die in my place. Wow. Um, and I was seven when that happened. Um, and then my mom committed suicide when I was seven and a half. So um, I grew up in this very confused state of church very confused state of God, um, didn't really know much about him. But then I was raised with my grandparents who grew up Southern Baptist, who just fell in love with Jesus. And they did their very best to lead me to the cross every single Sunday. And obviously for a long time, um, I, I, that wasn't me. Um, my stepdad's words were still in my heavy in my heart because of the abuse that took place. And he always told me I would never amount to anything. He always told me that there was no hope for me, for somebody like me. Um, and so when I was in middle school, I was at a, at a summer camp and the, the message was about how there's a father who loves me and sent a son to die on the cross for me. And that, that dot connected with my mom back when I was seven years old. So you had um, like that aha moment as he was saying that you're thinking about your mom saying that. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. I, 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 as he was preaching the gospel, I thought about my mom coming to the gate in the, in the backyard of upon and it was just I was thinking very like natural and he was always speaking supernatural and 
So afterward, I came up to him and I was like, hey, man, this dad you're talking about is really cool. Yeah. Um, and he was like, the, I was like, you should keep him. And he was like, give me a weird look. That dad's your dad too if you want to accept and believe that Jesus is Lord. I was like, oh, that's cool. I guess I'll say yes. And so um, for, from that time on, for a couple of years, it was a matter of wanting, finding out why I said my yes. And then God's really put me in places, John, that just – I've just – been around people who don't have a lot of hope um, and people who just don't or who have experienced the wrong side of church, the wrong side of of what's been portrayed as church, if you will. Um, And so for instance, my, my only book so far that I have out on Amazon is called the leper in the church. It's about mental illness in the church and how the church doesn't really do a good job of handling those mental illness. As far as depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, bipolar, all those things, we kind of chalk them up to sin and don't really know how to, communicate through with those people. Um, and just throughout all that, I, I have a passion for dreaming about what life actually should be and what God intends this whole church thing and this whole Christianity thing to actually be. All right. So we got a lot to unpack. Um, (laughs) I got questions just kind of as you're talking, but one thing that I hear, and I'm just curious, I, I actually grew up a lot like you in this sense, and we will get into that a whole other day. But so I'm tracking where you're going. But you know, my biggest struggle as I had was changing my mindset for years. And you had mentioned, I don't know if it was pre-show or during the show, but you talked, or I think it was during the show right now, you just talked about how your dad said you'd never amount to anything and just those different things. How did you get past the mindset? Because, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming you probably had a lot of negative self-talk, right? <laughs> yeah. And sometimes maybe you still do. I mean, that's for me, it, it can be a struggle. But what are some things that you struggled with, if you don't mind, and then kind of how you have worked on getting past that? Because I think a lot of people struggle with that, that I found in church. Honestly, man, it's it's still a process um, because there are people that speak over my life all the time, tell me all these dreams they have for me. And if it wasn't for my self-talk, I'd probably be somewhere closer to where they have for me to be (laughs) (laughs) just because I, I'm my own worst enemy. And so, yes, honestly, the thing that got me through was every morning waking up and reading what Paul's on Ephesians, I'm God's masterpiece. Like I'm, I'm one of a kind masterpieces aren't generalized, aren't overdistributed, aren't overpopulated. Masterpieces are the best work um, uh, that an artist can make. And if it's true that I'm God's masterpiece, then I'm not my dad's masterpiece. I'm simply what, what a venting board or a paddle, for lack of a better word, of my dad's anger. And now I, what I am right now is God's masterpiece. And it's intentionally choosing to say that over my life when I don't want to, to yeah. keep pushing me forward because I like to retract and hide and, and be lazy when I'm not feeling like a masterpiece. I'm feeling more like a, the, the rough sketch, if you will. Um, but there it's, it's intentional. And Paul's my favorite character in the Bible, my favorite man in the Bible. And he always talks about voicing things, saying it out loud. And there's power to that naming it claim, name, not naming it and claiming obviously, but naming what you, what you're feeling and giving that voice a name in your head so that you know that that voice that's, that's constant in your head is not the true you. Um, and it's not what God designed for you to be. Um, and so it's just telling that person to go away and receiving what God has for you in that moment. I like what you talked about. People, I don't think realize the spiritual battle that we deal with every day. And Paul, and I think, and I think it's Paul who talks about fiery darts. 
mm-hmm. coming into your mind. And I think so many times people don't realize they are being bombarded by demonic fiery darts, demonic thoughts that we hold captive as if they are our own, when in fact they're not ours, they're the enemies. And I like what you said is you have to speak to those things um, as if they're, they're not and speak the opposite of what we're thinking. Yes. And I think that's the, the, the best part, the best way it's been explained to me is our brain literally will just gather a bunch of information and make an overgeneralized claim about something. And it's not true, but our brain just runs with it because it's processing information at all at a rapid rate. And that's the demonic that we're talking about. That, that thought of I'm not good enough, I'm not adequate just runs loose in our brain until we claim it and give it a name and say, hey, this voice is not God. This voice is not life-giving. Therefore, this voice needs to go away. And we see Jesus named every demon in the Bible. Like he gave it a name and that's when it fleed. Um, and fled, whatever the word is. And so that's really what it is in my life is giving, and I give it names that I don't like, names that I've been called when I was bullied or my names of my voices in my head. Because I know that if I know that voice and that name, I don't want it in my head. And so I just, I just shoo it away. As you've done that, what kind of all like transition have you seen that as, have you started receiving what the father says about you? Mm-hmm. How have you seen that transition in your life? I think it's just how I view everybody differently. I think mm-hmm. that when, when I, when I receive, cause I, I don't like to receive, I like to give. Um, but when I actually sit and receive what God says about me, I'm able to give genuineness and not give regurgitation of what I've been given for giving for years or weeks or months. I can give gen- genuine stuff that I've encountered of God in this moment because God's saying this to me right now. And it makes me realize that there's every single human being is an image bearer of God. And therefore they, they all are wrestling with these voices in their head and they're all dealing with all kinds of stuff that we have no idea about. Every story has, has something there and it's just encountering and walking into somebody's story differently with the idea and the perspective of God's child rather than the mistake, which I thought it was for a long time. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. You, you made the comment right now. You said, uh, I don't like to receive but I like to give. Mm-hmm. Have you found that as an internal struggle that you've had to overcome? For sure. Um, I, I think that I almost found myself as a performer for a long time. Um, and I was always uh, applauded for my performance. And so it, it wasn't until I realized that God isn't impressed by me. And I had a, a few people come to me who I really trust and say, Hey, you don't impress me. My wife come to me and say, Hey, <laughs> like, I love you, but you don't impress me. Uh, yeah. And and God wants you genuine. God doesn't want a performance. And that's honestly how I was journaling and how I was coming to the throne room of God. Uh, yeah. Hey, God, here I am. Want to hear my sermon? Like that was what it was until God was like, I don't, I don't give a cred. Like I want you, bare bones, you, because that's the one I that I that I created, and that's the one I want to love. Um, and so it's still hard. And anytime I'm affirmed, I just have a really hard time of like receiving because I just want to be like, no, you're awesome because <laughs> I don't want to don't want to feel the full effect. I'd rather people realize than me realize, if that makes sense. That's really good. I like that. Um, okay. I want to talk about a little bit about leper in the church. You mentioned that. Um, I've actually, I don't know if I've ever shared this on our podcast, but I have several family members and uh, have had to deal with and work through mental illness. 
Mm-hmm. Um, until somebody has had to go through it or deal with it, I think it is there's not words to describe it, man. Uh, And just the pain and the agony of having to deal with somebody that has it. Um, And I like the fact that you're talking about it in the church because you had mentioned that people want to just chalk it up to, well, it's just demonic or it's it's whatever. And there is a sense to that. And, And my wife and I have this conversation all the time and there's a balance to it. But also my wife had a great analogy. She said, people have broken arms and they break their legs and you don't tell people like, Oh, it'll be okay. It's just going to get better. Some people have like the chemicals in their brains are broken and yep. they need a chemical and people don't realize that. And um, when she told me, when she said that it like, it was like one of those, Oh yeah, stupid um, <laughs> kind of went off in my brain. But I want you to talk a little bit about that because I, I think a lot of people, don't understand that that's such a real need in the church, obviously why you wrote the book. So I'm going to shut up now and let you talk. <laughs> I was in Hillsong LA in SoCal one, one Sunday and they had the infamous, which I grew up Southern Baptist, which is what I stereotype a Southern Baptist greeting time where you say, Hey, everybody go shake somebody's hand. Tell me happy you're here. Yeah. And there was a lady next to me who was a complete stranger and she came completely crumpled and mm. just shivering on the ground. Um, and I was like, this is weird. Um, but I knelt down next to her and I said, Hey, like, are you okay? And she said, I have severe social anxiety. I can't do this. And there's in that moment, because I, I struggle with depression myself. And in that moment, I realized we are missing so many people based on the fact of the way we do church. Like we are missing the people who are coming in with depression. The families are coming with depression, bipolar anxiety, like anxiety is at an all time high right now. And we are chalking it up to worry. Or, or anything like that, and we're almost diminishing and, and, water, and watering over the reality of the situation. And so I wrote the book based on eight different stories. Um, I, I went all over America through social media and through airplanes and uh, through conversations and just met people who had different mental illnesses um, from as far as eating disorders to abuse, uh, domestic abuse victims, um, to bipolar, depression, schizophrenia, all those things and just asked because I can write a book and I can try to my best at it, um, but I'm, I'm no genius of it. And I know that people who, like you're talking about just now, who have experienced it, um, have a better firsthand account of it and I just want to make it known on paper. Um, and so for about a year, I just went and, and listened to stories, listened to people and the book is basically starts each chapter starts out with a firsthand encounter of how this mental illness will be experienced inside the church. So like for depression, it would be like, oh, I'm depressed. And then the pastor would then respond with the pray and read the Bible more. And then you won't be depressed. Right. Um, And it's just that it's just the Christian needs that feeds into people. And it just completely negates anything they're going through. And you you negate their story when you do that. And, and, And from the same lips that you say your story matters, you're actually saying actually yours doesn't because I can't handle what you're going through because I don't know how to handle it. And that's where we have made a mistake of Christ. As Christ never justified or over-explained anything. He simply sat with people, listened to people. Yeah, he was all-knowing. He was all this, but he wanted to hear it from them themselves, and he wanted to insert himself into their story. And I think that's, that was the passion and the heartbeat behind leper in the church is we, we are treating those people as if they're lepers. We're almost hearing them say unclean uh, without them saying anything, and we, we are distancing ourselves from those who have visible or invisible mental illnesses who, who are obviously 
something's unhealthy or something isn't obviously unhealthy. And the second they open up about that, we, we're distancing ourselves from them because we don't know how to handle it. Or giving the Christians this Christian side hug and saying, oh, you'll get, you'll get better. And I think that that's the main problem or one of the main problems in the American church itself is this is a rampant thing. Like with social media and technology and all the things that are coming, it's going to get worse. Um, and we need to learn and be better at handling it like Christ does and less like ourselves do. So after interviewing the people and all the people that you talked to, what was an underlining message maybe that you walked away with, like how they felt or wanted to be treated or talked to or dealt with that they were not getting? What's crazy is every, this is no joke, every interview I had with people about halfway through, and this is every interview I had, halfway through they'd break down in tears and say, can I just tell you thank you again? Like, can I, can I just tell you thank you for hearing me out? And it was this moment of, yeah, it was this moment of holiness of like, you don't know how much I appreciate just simply being heard without expectations. Like, you're not asking me anything. You're not asking leading questions. You're simply letting me be heard. You're letting me be in my stuff. You're sitting with me in my stuff. And I don't feel like I'm something in it lesser than you because of my story. And I think that's, that's the underlying thing is no matter what anybody's going through, if you sit with them without expectations, just let them and hear them out and hear their story. God moves in crazy ways. Absolutely. All right. So I want to dive a little bit into kind of your journey. You're a pastor. Mm -hmm. How did you, for those um, who maybe feel called to ministry, how did you kind of tell us about your journey about coming into, obviously you got saved at a fairly young age. You talked about that a little bit, but it's somewhere you made this transition into becoming a pastor. What does that look like? <laughs> yeah. So I got saved in school, school age when I was a, when I was a kid, um, came back into the student ministry that I was in and nobody knew me. Nobody knew my name, nobody knew my story. And I didn't really feel like I made, I mattered at all. And it was from that going into the bathroom in my church that night, praying and crying and just saying, God, like <laughs> I accepted you. The Bible says you adopted me, but nobody here gives a snot about me. Yeah. And it was in that moment that God said, okay, maybe, maybe I'm calling you into more something greater than yourself and something you have no idea about. Cause I grew up wanting to be a criminal justice agent. I wanted to be FBI. I wanted to invest on some doors with a gun because I watched way too much law and order. Right. <laughs> but it was, it wasn't, it was when God met me and said, because of what you didn't experience, I want to experience through you is how I got into ministry of man. I had a burning passion for the, the cliche the one over the 99. Um, I've, I've grown up in mega churches. I've done all those things. I've, I've, I've been mega church. I've been small church, but there, there's a passion. My passion is every single person that comes in our doors of the church is known and loved because they're, they're made in the image of God without expectations. Yeah. And, and from that heartbeat is where God said, okay, here's your, here's your path plan. You're going to go to, uh, and honestly, I started off school at a public university and God quickly said, no, 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 you're wrong. You're going to go here. Um, and I went to private university and got a ministry degree and was in church work since then, all based on the injustice that I experienced as a new believer. Um, and, and knowing that I had a heart for people, knowing that God instilled that in me, knowing that God instilled this communicating aspect of me, but also like, man, there, I, I want to be, I want God to use me to reach those people that are feeling exactly how I felt when I walked into a, a church. You know, it was interesting. Um, 
if you if you recognized even from a young age you said you wanted to be what an fbi agent and like have justice yep. okay so think about this right the very thing you wanted to do is still the thing that you do now you just understand so you you allow justice in people's lives you allow their voices to be heard and you bring them into a place of forgiveness um obviously into the father but essentially you're you've always wanted to do what you were doing, but there was one that you were doing it for the world and the other one you're doing it with, with the Lord. Hmm. Everything. It's really interesting. You were the first person that I said that in my life. And that's beautiful. So I had this moment, like, I don't know, it was like three or four years ago. I'm with a group of pastors and a couple friends and we're talking and I looked over and I said, what if what we do in the physical is what we're called to do in the spiritual? And they all kind of looked at me like, okay. And I'm like, well, I just had this thought. And I said, just hear me out. I said, for instance, I said, I'd love to help people and to basically remodel their lives. Like stories like Lathan, like guys like you and myself who've just grew up terrible, but we, but we know that there's a better way and we mm-hmm. want to help restore people's lives. I said, But I said, I do that, but I said, but I build, I'm a builder. I remodel people's homes. I fix stuff. Yeah. And I said, what I do in the spiritual is I love helping men. I help fix men become who they're called to be. And it was like this light bulb went off, like for all of them. And I said, I think for so many people, we don't realize we already do what we're called to do, but we only see it from a physical standpoint and not the spiritual standpoint. Hmm. That's, that's right on. Yeah. So anyways, so hopefully that's for somebody. Somebody's going to grab that and run with it. I hope. <laughs> that's a light bulb moment for sure. I love that. So, um, okay. So I like to talk about the can be worse in this moment. These are always my favorite and, yeah. uh, and it's digging deep. And what I mean by that is uh, the story of Moses standing at the Red Sea and being like, okay, um, we can't go forward, God. And unless you part it, and if we turn around, we're dead because Pharaoh's going to kill us. Was there a moment in your life for you that you were kind of standing, you know, at the Red Sea and God had to show up? And what did that look like? Oh, that's a really beautiful question. Um, the moment that I would say rings true the most. Sorry about that. That was perfect time. It literally ring true right then. <laughs> that was awesome. The moment that I would say rings true the most is at my mom's funeral as a seven-year-old kid. I think I'm done with my stepdad. I think I'm done with that track. And for the longest time, the the abuse, all those words still in my head. And I saw him at my dad's, at my mom's funeral. And there was a moment of, uh, I don't, is this it? Like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to think. I don't know. And in that moment, my grandpa got my stepdad and shoved him off the ledge he was on because he knew that like he wasn't good for me. And in that moment, I saw a new father, a father that I never really had, the father of my mom. It was in that moment that I saw what I lived for for seven years come to an end, like a David and Goliath kind of moment. My my stepdad was a big honk man. My grandpa was a very feeble man, and it wasn't until I saw that happen that I realized, huh, like, this this may be it. 
this may be all Lathan's amounted to. This may be all this whole life that Lathan lived for seven years may be all Lathan is. And that, that moment by my grandpa was the trajectory of the flip of my life. Such a, such a, such a small moment and he'll never remember it, but I do. That's powerful. You said that, um, and just think about how many times is there people in our lives that we show up or can show up? Like I'm thinking about your book, like when people just wanted to stop to say, thank you. Like, you don't know this, but for somebody that might be that moment where they're like, I can get through this. Cause I just got heard. Hmm. Like we, we can be that to somebody that breakthrough moment, like your grandpa was for you and, and, and be Christ-like and be that breakthrough moment for them and show up uh, for them. So I love that's a great story. So, um, yeah. there's a, there's a really there's a really powerful moment in the I know, and I talked about that in a podcast interview I did earlier with with on my podcast. There's a there's a beautiful moment when somebody can say I know, and I think that you and I connect on a way of the childhood where no we know we've experienced it, but there's still hope to be given out. Yeah, it's funny you said that. For years, I had this like. A lot of people had, a lot of my friends had really good theology and I didn't when I first got saved and I didn't have bad theology. I just didn't have any theology, but I knew, but I knew the Lord cause I had a relationship with him. And it was funny is because people could argue like there were atheists or different people it would come to me and they would argue with me in our restaurant. And it like, it never fazed me. Cause I'm like, I'm not trying to talk to you about a book because I know who wrote the book because I have a relationship with him because I understand him. So maybe I can't combat and have all your answers, but I spoke to him this morning and I know who I'm talking about. And there's a difference when you have a walk with the Lord and you understand him versus trying to have a head knowledge. And I think when you have experience, when, when you have had such traumatic experiences in your life and you've had to get on your knees and go to the father and he shows up in a powerful way, nobody can take that from you. Absolutely. And there's, there's beauty in knowing that it won't be taken away from you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it really is, man. So, okay. Um, I want to get to the real round and just kind of talk about you for a second. What do you feel like and what you do? What is your biggest strength in gifting? I think my biggest strength is empathy. Um, I, because of everything God has allowed me to experience, my life to experience together, everything that I bring is from a I've been there place. Biggest strength is empathy. I know where I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So, what is your biggest weakness? And a lot of times, people it, it can be an overextension of our strength. I'm curious if that's yours. Yep. I care too deeply about what people think about me, and I am also very critical of my own self. Okay. Um, it's an Achilles for me. <laughs> it can be. Well, you know what I found too is sometimes being, uh, and actually I would say that I was wrong. I didn't say this, but a lot of times what I've noticed if we have a lot of empathy for people is you can get manipulated more because you care so much about, um, for, well, I'll give you just give you an example. Say like I've had drug addicts in my family. Well, it's like you want to help them so bad and you want to do something for them. And then you listen to the sob story and you feel bad. So you try to help them with whatever, a car payment or a house payment or whatever it is. When in fact, all they did was they took their money to go buy more drugs because you made the payment or whatever. And you're just, but it takes years of experience and like, oh crap, that didn't work. 
and uh, to realize that and to grow, to learn from yep. it. <laughs> so a, lot, a lot of those moments have to be, have to be had. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's not one of those, like somebody just tells you, you read it in a book. It's like you go through it and you're like, okay, that was really stupid. I'm not doing that again. Yep. So, okay. What is the biggest thing right now that you're just excited about or you feel like God's stirring inside of you? Oh, I love that question. I think I'm excited about a lot of different things. Um, I think the, mo- the biggest thing I'm excited about right now is I'm, I'm launching a new fictional series, um, book series on people that are only mentioned once in the Bible um, and just flushing their story out. Um, for, for me, I mean, we've all heard the cliche question, the Bible, the Bible written today, where would you fit? And I think I would be the, the guy that's only mentioned once if I'm in it at all. Uh, but there's a lot of story behind the people that are only mentioned once in the Bible. Um, and so fleshing those stories out and diving into the, and diving into the historical background and all those things just really excites me because it makes the scripture come alive in a different way to me. Um, and it just uh, it alters the way I view it. And so that's probably the thing I'm most excited about right now. I love it. Okay. Uh, besides the books that obviously you've written, what is either a book or something that's really impacted you uh, lately? Oh, Scary Close by Donald Miller. Okay. The book. Um, he's he's a he's a good writer, but um, actually, I think it'd be phenomenal for this podcast too. As just the idea of men being intimate and men being open. Um, and he talks about there's a there's a thing in Nashville called Onsite, which is all about group therapy um, and just dealing with past traumas. And Donald writes about his experience at Onsite about how he's dealt with a lot of his trauma as a kid and a lot of his trauma as a man. And um, he just writes very openly and honestly about how he views everything and it's very much his perspective but the way he writes it i'm like dang it me too in so many different different places uh but scary close um basically the whole premise is why like why wouldn't you do what god's put in your heart like okay you're gonna for a second the whole premise of the book is like why why wouldn't you do it like what what are you really worried about what is what are you really actually concerned about um and just wrestling with all those insecurities for me and then realizing that my my giants are much smaller than I'm making them out to be in my head. You know, I'm going to pick that up. That's interesting that you talk about that. When I was, um, this is several years ago, but when I hit 30, um, I broke down and just got severely depressed. And I'm a pretty positive person and life was good, but I, I, all of a sudden I got really depressed and all this stuff. And I just went to the Lord and I was like, why am I crying all the time? Like, what's going on? And basically I just heard the Lord said, he said, you have an entire closet of skeletons you've never dealt with and we're going to deal with them. And I'm opening the door. And I was like, Oh crap. <laughs> no, and no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, seriously, dude. And, but I mean, I had been sexually abused. I had like mm-hmm. just things with like my parents that I had dealt with. Like I had so much stuff that I forgot about because to survive as a kid, I had just stuffed them in a quote unquote closet it was like, I can't, I can't deal with this stuff. It's, I don't, one, I don't even know how, and two, it's too traumatic. So I just never thought about it. And I just, to survive, I did it. Well, all of a sudden God's like, no, we're going to talk about this stuff and you're going to, you're going to deal with it. And oh my gosh, dude, like the next year was, it was the hardest. I felt like it was the hardest time of my life, but at the same time, it was the most freeing because all of a sudden I think what people don't realize is like the person God intended you to be and has always looked at you as 
you're not that person if you carry around stuff and you have a closet full of crap. 100%. Like you yep. just can't because you're you're just locked up and you're trying to hide your who you really are. Yep. And then all of a sudden like you get rid of it and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I feel good. I'm free." And and you don't even care about that stuff anymore. Yep. So you're running, you're running a marathon in a prison cell. Yes, dude, just yeah, over and over. So anyways, I didn't mean to totally go off on a tangent, but it just, as we talk, it just makes me think about those things because so many people I think have such deep issues that they don't talk to somebody or they don't deal with and it becomes a closet full of junk, man. Yep. Yep. So, okay. uh, Last question before we hit the road in this one, uh, we never miss. So uh, (laughs) Lathan, if you get to go back to the younger you, Okay what age are you going to go to and what advice are you going to give yourself knowing that you can't change anything, but you're giving yourself, you know, like the, what you call a hope dealer. So you're going to go deal some hope into the younger you, what age, what are you going to say? Six and a half years old, the back of a truck with an anchor on my ankle. And I'm going to tell them the answers are coming. Dude, I just pictured that when you said that. I literally got tears in my eyes, man. You just think about a, any kid having to go. It just it makes you sad and extremely mm. angry at the same time as a parent. Yeah, I have a one and a half year old boy just got home, and just the idea or the fathom of any anything treating him anything like I was is repulsive. Yeah, uh, but I honestly I know God called me to walk through it. I'm thankful for it. But every, that's what I would say is the answers are going to come. It's going to take a long time for answers to come, but they're coming and they'll be good. Well, I want to thank you for that, Lathan. I just, I love the fact, I love your heart. And obviously I've just feel blessed even to get to talk to you. I want to just honor you and say thank you for sharing your journey because mm-hmm. I think so many people don't realize no matter where you're at and how bad life can seem there is hope on the other side and i and i'm thankful for people like you that are going out and sharing it because so many people need it everyone is one heartbeat away from hope that's my that's my thing hope can come in in the matter of a heartbeat and it changes everything about you and we all just need a little bit more of it we need to be more more giving with it (laughs) and also receive it more but we need to be more giving of it in schools in adult and workforce everything people just need more hope Amen. Well, thank you for that so much. Um, Lathan, how do we uh, contact you? How do we find your book? How do we uh, get a hold of you for uh, your podcast, all your stuff? Yeah. So my website right now is under construction, um, but it will be up. It's LathanWCraft.com. Um, I have a website right now, but it's it's not it's not quality. Uh, LathanWCraft is making my new website. You can find a book on Amazon, The Leper in the Church, um, Stories from the Unseen. Um, and the podcast link is the other side of the church will be available wherever podcasts are Spotify, Apple podcasts. Uh, there'll be a Facebook page for it. There's the side of the church. So um, everything will be centralized on my website, like the W craft, but that when that launches, which will be the end of this month. Okay. Awesome, man. Uh, Lathan is, I'm going to give you the last word as we wrap up the show. Is there anything you want to say to our guests or sorry, our listeners, you are my <laughs> guest. <laughs> I think, I think the one thing I would say, considering, considering your target audience, considering that your target audience is men. No, design. actually it's both. I got a lot of men and women. I used to say right. that and I've been corrected many times, <laughs> including my wife. So don't say that, get me in trouble. <laughs> well then I, even still the, are you real, the, are you real tagline? 
Uh, I think it's okay to be real. Um, even when you feel like we talked about a, couple, a little bit ago, the skeletons in the closet, like you, we all have somebody that we can confide in. It's not okay to be isolated. The enemy, the enemy speaks in isolation. He wants you to be alone. He wants you to feel like your story doesn't matter. Your story shouldn't be told. Uh, but we are, we are all born to be known and to be seen and to be heard. Um, and, and that's what the platform is, is are you real? What well, you are, it's just a matter of communicating that to people around you. Amen. Well, thank you so much. Hold on just a second. We're a nation. I hope uh, that inspired you. And I hope you just got dealt some hope by Lathan and just realize you do matter and you are amazing. You were created in God's image and there is nobody like you, which is amazing and awesome. So anything that Casey, my wife and I can do for you guys, please reach out. The only thing I actually do check is Facebook, unfortunately, because of my schedule. And, uh, but you can reach out to Casey and I on Facebook and, um, we'd love anything we can do for you guys. And also, uh, check out areyoureal.org with the new books that we're releasing and, uh, speaking God's frequency and the other uh, resources we have on there. So love you guys. And, uh, Just remember, be real, be authentic, and be you. That's all for this episode of Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You. Be sure to go to areyoureal.org for your free questionnaire to identify your gifts and talents and how you can use them to help people become leaders and catapult them into their destiny to help others become the leaders of tomorrow. We appreciate you spending your time with us and look forward to helping you reach out and revolutionize next time on Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You.